You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprints.com. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst Mr. case scenario for here City for right more. here. And it stopped! Yes! And it stopped! Totally Matt Elder! <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself! Oliver with the right foot. The shot is... Oh! Oliver! And Justin Oliver! will break the scoreless tie. Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. And oh, the goal! goal! It is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. Hey, friends. We know we said we'd be back last week, but it's the offseason. Give us a break, man. We aren't going anywhere, neither are you. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I'm your host, John. And with me, as always, is the Nate Morales. Nate, we thought that summer was busy with all the city comings and goings, but it's actually <laughs> the off-season when we have even more to do, you know, stuff that fills up our soccer time with, you know, other soccer fills it up. You yourself have your over 55 men's league that you play in. Um, your boy... <laughs> is in high school playing. Uh, you do the Augie's broadcast. I got my two boys in soccer, uh, which is on different different times. I just filled in even tonight for you um, doing the broadcast. Can we keep up? It's, it's, a, it's hard to do it, man. It feels like you're right. Every night there's something. And geez, uh, right. it's like, well, well, we also have to pod. So that's why we're doing this late, late yeah, at night. So. But it's a good time. We. Yeah. We we do it because we love it. Yeah, we'll get there. You know, we'll we'll get there. Mm-hmm. We're uh, you know, we're, we're what are we going into? Year eight, year nine? Four, year eight, seven, eight. Seven, eight? Uh yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> what, <laughs> anyway. What year is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, over? John, to add to the schedule, you know, FIFA tw- or sorry, EAFC twenty four releases in thirty four minutes. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait to get it. So we'll have to wait a little bit um, okay. on that one. Um, but I will say though that my oldest son Gus has. Uh, this show is very familiar with Gus. Uh, he has <laughs> taken a liking to FIFA 23. Yes. So um, good he's boy. He's in the game. He's in the game. So I think we're gonna have to get EAFC, even though I was probably gonna wait on it. But he actually he asked me about it, and I was like, well, if you do good in school. <laughs> we'll get it all the while I'm thinking out of the other side of my mouth. Um, I'm going to get it anyways. So. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good excuse. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, this week's show, we got through the USL two version of our season recap, but today it's all about the 2023 UPSL future season. We'll look back on some of the best moments, impactful players, official unofficial awards, and then we'll catch up like we did last time. What was that, four weeks ago whenever we potted last? It's just two, uh, a week and a half. Not bad. Week and a half. We'll catch up with our Crows in college, starting with Minneapolis City in the Mayak. So let's get after it, man. Yeah, for sure. So as we did last week, we like to recognize the coaches and the players for a well-fought season with our official, unofficial awards. We do one set for each team. And tonight we are honoring the UPSL team. So if you're not familiar... 
The UPSL squad is the development arm for Minneapolis City. It is the futures. JJ and his coaching team, that's Eli Baker, Brandon Doyle, uh, Derek Johnson, etc. They build the team. They start in November, December with the futures program. Um, then that grows and that's, that's really like a U 23 seven V seven league. Right. And it all culminates in the summer when they pick their, uh, their, they handpick the roster out of those, out of those futures, uh, to compete in the USL or UPSL, UPSL. There we go. Um, and that formula UPSL works too. <laughs> UP, UPSL too. I don't even know, but that formula works, right? Uh, the futures in the three years that they have competed are undefeated in the regular season, right? Three years. Yep. And uh, they have advanced to the UPSL playoffs every year since their inception. And right there, you can stop and say it's, that's a phenomenal success. That's all you need, right? The The point of this is to develop, to develop these younger players in kind of their gap years, right? Between when they're either, you know, they're when they get older in high school and transition to college to prepare them for that transition to playing in college, maybe to, maybe to make sure that they can find a program or to help them find a program. And then in those two early couple years in college, like how do you make sure that they are competing for, for starting time, for playing time, for roster spots in their college programs? And, and boom, it happens, right? Winning in the playoffs on a more national stage, not really a goal, but that's okay. We talked about it a little bit as the season wrapped up, right? Like it's cool that we're not, it's, it's okay that we make the playoffs and we lose to sporting Casey's youth program. Well, I have a little different spin on this one, Nate. Um, the Minnesota conference of the UPSL is getting stronger. We're going to talk about that a little bit, a little more in a bit um, with some of the new teams that they're adding in and they've added pro rel. So some of the bottom feeding teams that we would much rather not play are being replaced by teams that want that want to play are more organized, et cetera. Um, so at some point, another team is going to have to jump to the top of the perch in this conference, you would think. But at the national level, we've talked about it many times. There are buzz saws and proximity mines all over the Midwest. You like that? Uh, yeah. Golden eye, that golden yeah. eye reference there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there are buzz saws and proximity mines all over the Midwest. And even more so when you get to the West Coast portion and the and then or West Coast and then portions of the East and the Southeast. Yep. So it's not out of the question that we might get a special group together in the future um, that might get us over the hump nationally. It just isn't super easy, and we are content with the development piece, but it's all icing on the cake if we already take it that step further. And I think that we are inching closer to that. And I think this year was one of those years where I think we had, we had the right mixture. If you just look at the fact that our, our first round opponent in the nationals in, in sporting KC's youth team uh, were on the road, they were the eventual runner up. And if you ask me, I think we should have beaten them. Yeah, it was really and close. I, I, it was really close. And I mean, it was a, a narrow, a narrow KC uh, victory. But that game could have been potentially iced out in the first half with a couple of moments that traditionally throughout the summer we saw the players in question, I won't mention any names, uh, convert on goal-scoring opportunities that were that wide open. So, you know, I don't know. I think that we might have something brewing here that might allow us, if we continue to build a little bit each year, 
to where maybe we start to take on more of a profile nationally in the UPSL. I don't know. I just want to throw it out there. That I mean, that would be awesome, right? And I mm-hmm. think, you know, starting here at home, you, you, you touched on it a second ago in a division like the UPSL Midwest-West, that talent pool is always shifting. Last year, Austin joined and brought some talent to the stage. This year, we had St. Croix. Uh, add a future squad of their own and and this Worthington community team, which mm-hmm. I don't know, interesting, but nice. But, I mean, they brought they brought fans. They had a good organized game day. They yeah. had a good facility. Like, all that leveling up we were talking about. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and so that talent level, it's gone up with, you know, a, a league that used to just have these kind of local weekend warriors – making way for NAIA players, Mayak players, very consistently we're going up against some co- a lot of college players mm-hmm. and, 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 and guys that have just re- more recently aged out. And the futures they've adapted and dealt with everything that, that has been thrown at them, haven't they? And this is not just this year, but over the three years. Oh, for sure. But I think, I think the reason behind that is the familiarity and the bro- brotherhood. Like we're we're now seeing some players who started the futures program super young, and in the winter maybe high school juniors, and now they're freshmen in, in college, and they're not quite ready yet for the first team. Um, but we also have to keep continuing to recruit well and and bringing in that best young local talent. And and I put in our show notes in capital letters keep them. Yeah, keeping them has most recently been been hard to do. Um, you look at, you know, I just got done doing the Augsburg game. You look at Keba Janae. He was in their futures program. And then he ends up going to Blackhawks and scores the game tying goal against us. And I do feel that keeping them is hard because a lot of players come to us, get the taste and feel that, that they're, they're better than this level in some, I'm not saying Keba is, thinks that because I didn't know, but they want to be the guy. They want to be the guy. They want to be the guy and, or they think that this isn't, this level isn't for them. And then there's the other side of the coin where players come into the club thinking that they can walk into the first team after the futures door is what cracked open for their entry into the club. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. So they end up going to other clubs and then ultimately, you know, for example, Keva, we end up facing them in the same league that some of them, not Keva, as my example, um, told us that they were too good for. That's pretty odd, right? <laughs> that, that that would happen. And I'm not saying, you know, the bump in quality of the league that we mentioned is all on the on the back of what Minneapolis City has or has not done. But there has been a heavy influence. And I, I mentioned Worthington. Like, the model that they have there is not dissimilar to what we have. Same with Austin. So, it's great to see that, that some teams around the area have adopted this and it, and it makes us all better. So I, for one, welcome that competition. Um, it only makes us much sweeter when we win, when other teams are hunting for us and, and, and we, we elude the hunt and we come out on top. Um, but I will say this, pretty probably an unpopular opinion <laughs> around the soccer circles. I would really just like it if a team like St. Croix use the platform to continue to build and elevate the younger players, which they, they started out doing, but then ultimately towards the back half of the year and against us dropping clear USL two players down just to face us. Yeah. And then them never seeing a UPSL field ever again. Um, you know, 
our young boys are there for a reason. We're trying to grow something specific there, win, lose, or draw. And a team like that dropping players down is – it gets me a bit. But it, it happens. It is what it is. Um, we'll talk about what happened when we faced them this year <laughs> with said players uh, here in a bit. We talk about our, our season. But the season did have a lot of big moments. So let's dive in, man. Let's talk about the, sure, big win, sure. the big wins on the field. And again, as a reminder, a refresher, we go three to one. So we're going to start out with number three. Yeah, man. Uh, the first big win on the field has to be another undefeated year. And it's 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 funny that it's like three of three in mm-hmm. third place. But it's like, yeah, this is great. This is now, unfortunately, kind of what you expect out of this program, right? If we're going to we're, we're going to continue to attract the top talent in that age group, we're going to continue to develop them, turn them into a team. And we want them to be undefeated in this UPSL Midwest West division every, mm-hmm. every year. And that's uh, I think it's a solid goal and it's one that so far gets harder and harder, but it's uh, it's good that we keep leveling up and achieving it. Yep. Absolutely. What's number two, Nate development of this never quit attitude. When you look mm-hmm. back, John, at some of these games, um, whether it is, um, I think the Valora, the first game against Valora, right? Or it's, you look at some the of these first games. First game against St. Croix. Yep. So the first game against St. Croix, uh, the final, the final playoff game against St. Croix. Uh, just in general, these, these young men have developed this never quit attitude as their own kind of futures team culture. And they will, they will claw back tooth and nail to get the results that they need in order to reach their goals, which is phenomenal. And a lot of that has to do with tactics. A lot of that has to do with who comes off the bench and your attitude when you come off the bench, right? If who's you're bench, healthy, who's healthy, but, but you know what I'm saying, John, like if you're, if you're a starter one week and then you're on the bench next week, you, you got to come off the bench hungry and looking to change the game. And that's what these guys have been doing. So this, this, uh, this team has a really great culture around it where the, the players don't quit and they, they don't stop until they get the result they're looking for. And number one we have down for big wins on the field is talent produces talent. So these these players, these younger players that, that we have at our disposal, they continue to push each other no matter what level they, they come from or that they go on to play at, which is great. Because the, the worst thing that you can have as an organization or a team or a coach is – no position battles. Yep. So you get complacency within your roster that like, oh, I, I'm better than maybe that one other guy that can play two or three positions because this is my dedicated position and I'm probably never going to come off the field. Well, now in the training environment, we have three, maybe four players that are fighting for limited minutes now. And it really is helping us iron sharpen iron. And and it's it's just great to see. And it's it started to happen in our first year in the UPSL with the 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 famous Prunty three five two, and then it materialized into when the futures got in. And it's it's been great. It's been great to see the position battles and and them and the players fighting for it, but still having that brotherhood that they like. If they're not the guy, someone else is the guy. And yeah. and it's great. Specifically, just to illustrate that, John, look at the just look at the midfield, right? Where you've got guys like Johnny Bear, Carlos Robles, um, you've got Jordan Ross, and Griffin Price, and that's the thing is they all kind of 
in the end, it's like it's Griffin Price, the high schooler, that grabs mm-hmm. hold of of the starting job in, in, down the stretch, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and 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 those other guys are Swan. Oh yeah, yep, yep. And those other guys are better off for it, right? To say like, okay, we now we really have to compete. Like it's not it's not a job that's just going to get handed to me, and they know it when it when the keys get handed to the seventeen year old. Yep, absolutely. And if you look at it too, like you had a 17-year-old who was getting the lion's share of the minutes in the midfield over uh, a player that it was going off to St. Thomas to play. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's great. It doesn't matter where you come from, where you're going. They, they're, like I said, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's talk about some off-the-field wins, John, because it's not just – it's not just on the field, right? Minneapolis City is always growing organizationally, always learning, and that adapting. means adapting. And that means there's some there's some big things that happen to the club off the field. The first one is not necessarily something that uh, Minneapolis City can take credit for, but just this this whole league has leveled up. Like I mentioned, when you look at St. Croix joining the UPSL Midwest West, you look at Austin Villa last year, this Worthington Community Club this year, uh, Superior City, right, which mm-hmm. isn't technically the Duluth minor, you know, the, the Duluth second team, but kind of is for the and uh, and it just gets better and better as the talent trickles down and realizes that there are other options. It's not just all about it's not just all about either playing in the USL two or the NPSL, mm-hmm. there's there's more there, and there's more there there in the UPSL. I've said it multiple times, and now I can say it even louder that we're not part of the NPSL, <laughs> that if you put the two leagues next to each other, um, the only thing that the NPSL might have over or does have over the UPSL is longevity. But the way the league is run, they're very similar, How the, le- the way the leagues are run the talent starting to get better in the UPSL. Um, you know, if you put West Coast UPSL versus West Coast NPSL, it's not even close. The UPSL has far better teams. Um, which is wild. And, right, which is wild. And then adding the pro rel piece to it, continuing to expand by region and not just by te- a team in a region, and that being your expansion. Um I think it, you know, they're gone are the days where the UPSL is looked at as just letting anyone in. And now they're, they, they opened that door and now they're refining and figuring out ways to still let people in, but also let the, let the, let the quality in that can show it on the field and off the field. So I think it's great. Um, number two for us is recruiting. Yeah. The efforts of, every member of the UPSL staff and including some of the members of the the USL2 staff to continually always think about the next generation and what we have to, to get players into that pipeline. I, I, I said it during the winter, you know, I was, I, I I tend to be part more of the, the, the futures program in the winter. I thought this was a down year. Um, I didn't, you know, during tryouts necessarily see the things that I wanted to see from, you know, I was foreshadowing looking into the summer. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, you know, this is, could be the year where we have a down year. And um, that was not the case. Like the the staff did a fantastic job recruiting, um, whether it be for the winter program or recruiting just for the summer for players that weren't part of the the program. I thought it was great. 
Um, and then I think that go, that kind of feeds into to number one on our off the field. I think it's just a, it's a, a lot around the program organization, like the 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 USL two, and we'll call it NPSL arm of the club always had to go through taking some lumps and NPSL was one year in the USL two. It was, we'll call it one and a half years Yep. for us to kind of start to figure things out a little bit. But as we talked about the, the, the futures portion of our programming hasn't had those stumbling blocks. And I think that goes down to the, the development of the program, the architect, Jeremiah Johnson and him sticking with, year over year, his guns and his program and not changing things. Um, and I think that having that organized program, you know what it is, you know what it stands for. And this is what we're gonna, we're gonna go, go out with from a, a product perspective has continued to show results. Yeah, for sure. Well, now, John, we're moving on to something like more specifically, some of the bigger moments, some of the more, uh, some of the more exciting things that have happened to the club on the field in this last year. The first one is the three nothing playoff win against Valora. I think you were up in the box with me. It was nice mm-hmm. that Valora brought the streamers. They brought, so that was cool. We were, we were kind of, it was well, kind we of, found out we can't do that, which is, <laughs> <laughs> well, we just, it happened. Yep. We can't undo it. Yep. Uh, so that was cool. Valora brought some people up into the booth. Oh, well. Um, and, and I think that was the moment, John, when it was like, oh, this is the this is a team that caused us problems in the first. You think about the the first game of the year, first game of the season, one to one draw. They came out really physical, right? And it and it was a learning experience for our guys. And the second time we face them, when you know, in a playoff scenario, when everything when the whole season's on the line, destroyed them. It wasn't even. I mean, they we, we played them right off the field. There was no. There was it never could have a moment. Easily six. There was yeah. There was no moment Mission where we thought, "Oh man, Flora is going to come back." Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. Number four for me is the one-one draw away against Blackhawks. So I think that was kind of the defining mid to late season moment of they got a little complacent with a couple four to one, three nothing victories, and that it was like, oh, we really do have to throw it in that extra gear when now like if we don't we might be losing the historic success that we've we've built so i thought that was a real defining moment because we we had the game in hand and we had those momentary laps what what is noto called the six minutes of stupid Mm -hmm. we had that and we got we got punished for it but we're able to to quickly turn around and take it out on the next opponent and continue that ride into the national playoffs. Um, number three for me was the one that I was also on hand for um, was the three goal second half versus St. Croix um, sitting in the stands for that one. Uh, I'm sure you could probably hear me screaming from the press box. Um, just how like dilapidated we looked in the first half going down to nothing and then ultimately going down three, nothing um i'm sorry going down to nothing um in in the in the first half and just being run all over the field and and but being done so by players that had more experience that were dropped down 
um, players that um, have been playing since they were youth players together in the St. Croix system. And then you talked about that fight and that grit and that never die attitude. I, I think you couple that with just the tactical changes and personnel changes that, that the coaching staff put in for that second half. It was absolutely the right moves. And St. Croix had no answer for it. I think that they, they burned themselves out in the first half. And then that was kind of the rope dope that our, our team was looking for. And in the second half, they came out and were like, okay, like you scored two. Well, we're going to, we're going to get back in this. And it was through determination, ugly grit goals. And then the quality started to shine when they got tired and uh, we were able to, uh, to pull back, to pull back that victory from the jaws of defeat when everyone else there was angry at halftime and, and the team came out and did their thing in the second half. Yeah. I mean, like you said, going into the locker room down to nothing looked like that game was a lot. That game was done. Right. But coming mm-hmm. out and being able to to fight back, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier too. These guys learning that they're what it means to never, never give up. Uh, number two on the big moments list is John. It's the 120th minute goal in the, in the, in the playoffs by Colin Byrne versus St. Croix. A lot of St. Croix moments in these in these big moments because I think this is when our team showed up the biggest over the over the season in the in the two games that we played them. But man, when that game, what a what a roller coaster to to feel like almost reverse of the game where we won three to two, right? Where we were up and it felt like we were gonna coast into that pretty pretty comfortably with a one nothing win. And then they they scored in at like in like at like the last possible moment. And then in the next 120 minutes, the game was up and down, up and down, and they score the go-ahead goal in the 116th, I think. And we thought, and that was it. Like, oh, man, that was, well, it was a good run. But uh, again, out of nowhere, basically uh, just pure determination, uh, the team is able to find a way to, to tie it up and lead to our number one big moment, which was that marathon penalty kick. Was it fourteen or something like that? It was, yeah, at least right. The whole I think I was the, in Milwaukee with the first team playing Bavarians, so we're in the beer hall watching it on someone's phone, and it was like, "How many kickers?" They're like, "I think it's like six or seven. And then you hear the commentator, "The fourteenth kicker." We're like, "Holy shit!" Yep, the keepers had gone. Um, I remember early. It looked like Jordan Ross might have had a goal. Like had had his goal because he had a weird little run-up that was nervy like man every moment just both teams stepping up and burying their kicks until finally daniel linder saves one and uh and the next guy up is able to convert and that was it so that was again that was to win the upsl midwest west playoff title which is a different thing than the regular season title another trophy we'll take it um number one biggest moment from the season but yeah, absolutely. Not just big moments this season. There were teachable moments. There always are, Nate. <laughs> and the the number three teachable moment is some of these guys learning that the UPSL Midwest West is not the soccer they came from. It's not. Um, you're Youth not playing. Club, you're not playing at South. School. You're not playing at Hopkins. Yep. You're not playing not, at Gustavus. <laughs> it is. Uh, these are some big dudes that you're going to go up against, especially in that first game against Valora, when you're like, oh, that's fucking Pablo Campos out there. Um, yeah. That 
that is that is always, I think, year in and year out for some of these guys, a teachable moment to to understand what it means to go up against guys that are bigger and faster than you. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you. Number two moment that we have down is better integration into the first team. I, I think this is something that organizationally we struggle with. That you know we there are there have been opportunities for players to elevate. But typically it's like end of the year filling out, you know, a travel roster or whatever. Um, but I, I think that we need to do a better job of not only the exposure into the first team environment, if we truly are going to utilize the futures as our as our proving ground and feeder system for the for the future. I'm doing air quotes, can't see me. Um, <laughs> but I, I think we just have to do a better job of it. And I don't know, I don't know how we do that. You know, I, I, I saw general manager Van Ben Scouten, you know, at the future stuff. I saw members of the first team staff there. I'm not at every training session for the first team, but I'd have to believe that there's a better way for us to better to integrate more of the talent. And it doesn't have to be a you're going to go and start on the USL2 team. But I think it needs to be, especially with the age restrictions in the USL2, it needs to be on a more regular basis that they're getting exposed to that environment. Yeah. Be it, tra- be it training or getting, you know, some game minutes so that we don't ultimately run into, you know, a year where us being all Minnesotan, we don't have another group of players that can compete because we haven't been proving them at that level. Or it takes us another year and another half year to get used to playing at that level and, and figuring out how to perform. So I think we, we have to work on that. Um, number one we have is that goals come from everywhere, not just one player. Um, I think that we saw Carter Hermanson have a fantastic summer, but there there could have been other sources for goals. Um, I think they were sprinkled around uh, a bit, but I think that we need to figure out, you know, not having to ride the back of one player. And a lot of our big goals did come from other contributors, but I think we need that in more volume. Like we need players to step up offensively at that level mm-hmm. and score, you know, not just one guy scoring eight to 10 goals, two or three guys scoring eight to 10 goals and it coming from different ways and not just, you know, more through the run of play through, you know, that second or third runner like making making it a little more complex for the teams that we're, we're facing because they're only getting better and we need to figure out ways to counterpunch. yeah i think some of that though john might have to do with the rotation yep. right but a lot of it also could be prove that you you can't be rotated you know mm-hmm. make sure yeah, that yeah. jeremiah knows that you are a nailed on starter because you can contribute goals and and you think about that's kind of what happened with camel two at the end of the year Proving that he can score big goals in big in big situations, um, mm-hmm. guys like that, right? Like more goals out of more goals out of the wing, more goals from from distance, perhaps. Like find someone yeah. with a leg, like exactly what you're saying. So totally agree. Um, just we want more than more than one guy a year to step up big. Yep, absolutely. And then that helps with I think number two with his integrating into the first team. Mm-hmm. So you have that standout player being able to remove them and not skip a beat because you have another player who's proven themselves um, at the UPSL level, I think is better for everybody. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, on to our individual awards, Nate, why don't you kick it off with staff member of the year? 
I will. I will. Staff member of the year, John, is is one that you know. What who? What do you say in a team <laughs> when the team goes undefeated for the third year, and it is yeah. it is the third the same staff year in and year out that do the recruiting and do the coaching and do the training. Um, but I think it's important in this instance to recognize Alec from Twin City or Twin Cities Orthopedic, the the trainer for the futures, keeping mm-hmm. these guys healthy. Um, you know, in this kind of a situation, depth is always an issue. You want to make sure that all of your guys are, first of all, stay healthy so they can go back to their high school and college programs and and, and contribute, right? Their coaches are not going to be happy if they come back from the, from the futures injured. But also just make sure that, you know, week in and week out, they are, they're prepared for those grinds. And I think Alec does a phenomenal job with, uh, with our with our young guys yeah so, absolutely congrats alec staff go, member alec. of the year he's our first trainer uh getting us I mean, getting a staff member always, of the year recognition he's always there and you know keeping the players on the field is important and keep and making sure that you know also keeping them off the field is equally as important when these guys are like no i can go and you're like you know no, actually you can't yeah and, and here's point. here's why you shouldn't versus some teams at our level like they're going to trot you out there whether you're healthy or not because it's all because they're you're all they have um, <laughs> so it, it, it is important and you saw alec also elevating to help out with the usl2 team so always around way to go alec from twin city orthopedics congratulations congratulations we've mentioned his name a couple of times let's talk about our young player of the year john this is uh, it, it's kind of the easiest choice, but also um, I think it's a good one because he is the youngest player on this future squad. He is a high school student. He is Griffin Price. And Griffin contributed down the stretch as that starting presence in the midfield. We, we already talked about this. He beat out guys that are playing at Bethel, guys that are playing at, um, I think, St. Mary, guys that are playing – uh, at Gustavus, right to be like I'm the guy, and and kind of dared everyone to to show him otherwise, and it's just phenomenal, phenomenal testament to the effort that Griffin put in and to the talent level that he has. So congratulations to Griffin Price, the UPSL Young Player of the Year. Now I'm looking up some, trying to find some stats on our next player. Let's see here. Hold it up. Uh, our next is most improved, and we selected uh, Michael Doshin. Um, Michael was a player who is the second year in the program. Um, in year one of the program, no disrespect, Michael. Um, I didn't really rate Michael other than like a depth, high energy player. Uh, great locker room guy, great team guy, always positive. Fast forward to year two in the program, I was like, because we do a, a player draft for um, the the mentor coaches for the players to select on our teams for the winter seven on seven. Yep. And I was like, I need that guy. I need his energy. He's scoring goals. He can play multiple positions. Physically, he's above everyone because he's been here before. He understands what it is. And, and I remember talking to him because he was on my, I, I did get a chance to select him on my team. Talking to him about like, you know, what soccer looked like for you, you know, you've aged out of 
high school? Like, you know, are you trying to play college? And, and he was like, you know, he was going to the merchant Marine Academy, which he has, he has made the team there um, and contributed um, in the merchant in, Marine in, Academy. My yeah. great grandfather was in the merchant Marines. Oh, well, there you go. He, he has contributed in, <laughs> in uh, played in all eight games, getting, getting at least 20 minutes in all eight games as a freshman um, starting one of them. Hasn't nice. gotten on the score. Hasn't gotten on the score sheet, but I also don't. I haven't watched him play, so I don't know what position he's playing. But I asked him, like, you know, what does it look like? Because I, I want to play in college. Uh, I, I, like, what can I do out of anything to make the summer team? And I was like thinking, like, well, you start thinking about the players that are coming back, like the Parker Flins of the of the roster, and you're like, these guys played a year in college, and like, you know, it's going to be tough, man. And all this guy did was put his head down and work. And he made the team. He started in a lot of games for the Futures, came off the bench uh, in a handful of games and provided that energy spark in a situational environment that the coaching staff needed it. Yep. And and he continued to get better. Um, do I think that Michael is a, 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 a future first-team player? Respectfully, not right now. But seeing how he improved from year one to year two, now going off to the Merchant Marines, playing a year as a freshman, getting some minutes. Like, let's see what it looks like for him coming back. And maybe it's another year where he's a go-to guy for the Futures program and and continues to improve and, and work his way into potentially being a first-team player. All right. Congratulations to Michael. Up next, John, the breakout player of the year. So this isn't really like a young, not necessarily someone young, not necessarily someone that's new to the team, but somebody that all of a sudden makes you stand up a little a little taller in the in the booth and and try to figure out like who is that guy he's he's looking phenomenal yeah and we selected mason gillian 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 you correct me on that you're about pronunciation i, I can't i'm it's probably gillian okay well we'll just go with mason Mm-hmm. How about that? Um, <laughs> another player in I, I remember back into the selection process of the of the winter session that I was like, you know, the the final the final trial was eleven on eleven, and I had one team, and I believe I was up against um, St. John's coach John Pucci, uh, St. Mary's coach John Pucci, um, across across the uh, the stripe from me, and I'm going through like putting the players where coach Jeremiah and, and, and the coaching staff asked us to put players. And Mason was one where I was like, uh, I, I need a left back. And, and he's like, I'll do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, where do you play? He's like, not left back, but I, I can do it. And then was phenomenal. And I was like, man, this guy's got something. And then, you know, we go into the sevens league and I'm like, you know what? Like I just, he's solid. Doesn't do anything special that like stands out, but why can't, my team attack on on that side of the field. Oh yeah, it's Mason. He's shutting us down. And then we get into the selection process for the summer. And I was like, you know, he's got quality. He kind of showed it, but I think that there's some other players that might be ahead of him in the, in the pecking order. The staff chose him and he, when he was not playing right back at this time for us in the summer, you felt it. You were like, how come on the on the, the opponent's left side of the field they're attacking in 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 droves and you're like well mason's not playing today hmm. um you know and that's the type of breakout player you look for and a player who 
might fly under the radar, but then all of a sudden you look around the field and you're like, why is everything going to shit somewhere? And you're like, that person's not there. And for, for this team, I really felt it was Mason. Wow. All right. Congratulations, Mason. Uh, up next, John, newcomer of the year. And this is a guy that down the stretch and in the uh, playoff game against St. Croix perhaps made the biggest impact. And, and that now, is... now he's blowing up. Now he's blowing up in school. Oh, dude, blowing up big time. We're going to talk about him more in a little bit when we go into the the city city and college runaround. That's goalkeeper Daniel Linder. I had no idea who this guy was. And I remember the first game of the season, I was like, hey, uh, what's uh, how's, how's the goalkeeper doing? And you're like, well, you know, he's made some good saves. Okay, great. Well, I, I didn't really watch him in college. I watched a handful of Carlton games. Um, he didn't stand out for good or bad in any of those games, didn't really get tested. Um, and we look at the elevation of, of futures legend, we'll call him, in Evan Siefkin and Net into being elevated into the USL first team and all the things that he did. Um, and we went through the, his, his contribution to the, the, the big moments and the big games and the, and the awards last show. But Daniel stepped in and was like, this is, you know, this is my, this is my opportunity. And uh, it came up big. And I think grew as the season went on, like, and for a newcomer to, to come in after the winter season, you're like, I hope this guy pans out because he's here for a reason. Either we don't have anyone or um, we don't necessarily at the UPSL environment, trust what we have, or <laughs> he's just, far away better and we and we whiffed on him in the winter session <laughs> and uh I, i'm sure glad that we picked him and i think that the the level he played at this summer is contributing to what we're going to talk about a little bit yeah for sure up next john let's talk about the defense we're in we're now we're in the mvp territory and let's Ooh. talk about let's talk about defensive mvp give me a change this to mvc most valuable crow oh yeah okay i mean then maybe next year we we do that sure um for me it's regal <laughs> it's regal arellano is that right i always pronounce it wrong ariano ariano well rigo um <laughs> the funny thing is i go back to again the trial period in the winter and you know we're we there's two different groups obviously there's there's a group that that starts out elevated because they're returners or they come with a profile and you want to see them against the best um, and then there's a field of the other trialists that are originally not selected for that top that top group. And I'll, I'll be honest, I tend to gravitate towards watching the group that's been selected um, to, to to play versus the 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 remaining trialists. And I remember talking to Eli Baker, and he's like, "Have you seen number whatever uh, trialist?" And I was like, um, "No, I saw him like in his fitness stuff and." He, he didn't move very well, but, um, you know, I, I haven't really given him a look. And he's like, flip around and watch him play another field. And I watched him play. I was like, holy cow. We literally almost completely overlooked this guy. And wow. from a defensive perspective, um, he's unique because he, he comes from California uh, by way of Northwestern College. And then he just transferred to play for one of the Olivers at, Ham at Hamlin and is uh, – a lockdown starter for them, but ultimately became a lockdown starter for the futures program. Um, he, he doesn't pass the eye test because 
he moves a little unorthodox. Um, his, his style of play is, um, is rock solid, but he just moves differently than a uh, central defender typically moves. So I, I can see why he's overlooked. So then I just asked him, Hey, Rigo, like, why are you here? You know, you're from California. Like, you know, like I, I looked you up and you were winning like most valuable player of these MLS next tournaments and you're playing at Northwestern. How did that happen? He's like, well, I just got overlooked. And mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit, we almost overlooked you too. Um, I, I, I think if you look at both of our rosters, he's probably the most natural defender from a reading of the game perspective. Uh, and that goes like all the way to the top to the Jonah Garcia's and the, you know, the West Lawrence and the, and the guys that are doing at the highest level, he reads the game so well. So he is constantly picking off passes from, from just anticipating lanes where the, the passes are coming from with ease. And he has a great touch on the ball. He rarely ever gives it up and he he's very strong in the tackle. And I think that if he sticks around Minnesota, he has a bright future with our first team. Um, but you know, that that's, it's foreshadowing, but if he had not been there a lot of times, we would have had to course correct, especially in the time of the year where Nick Kent, who everyone on the show should be familiar with, wasn't healthy. Rigo was, was it at the back. And that's no disrespect to Tyler Beaupre or Alvaro Arce, who also played centrally in the back for us. He was just it. And by the end of the year, who was wearing the captain's armband? He was. Yep. So I think that he absolutely, for me, was number one standout defensively. All right. Up next, John, it's got to be, you know who this is. It's it's the offensive MVP. And who else could it be but Carter Hermanson? Not only did Carter score the most goals on the year in this club, but he scored them in clutch moments, um, in big games. Every which way. Every, yep, every which way from the spot, um, you know, up close, getting dirty in the box from deep. I think Carter Hermanson was <laughs> was, was the was I mean the cl- far far and away clear choice for our offensive MVP for us this year. And now Just he is uh, dirty in the box from deep. You know it down in uh, now he's down in St. John's. Uh, just doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, he's down down at St. John's. Um, I you know I completely agree with you. And this is where I talked about like where our goals coming from because if you removed Carter from this squad, we're talking about those three nothing, four to one games being two to one, you know, one one, and our season is less successful. Um, and he ultimately did get elevated into the um, the Minnesota Super Cup uh, fray, as did his uh, his twin brother Noah. Um, but he wasn't wasn't able to to tr- quite translate it, entering himself into a whole other environment with different players. But got elevated because of what he did offensively for for the future program. And then last but certainly not least, our player of the year. I, for me, um, I don't have to go into much more than I already have with this player. It's it's a name we've already mentioned, and that's Rigo again. I I truly do believe, excluding him from the setup. Uh, would have caused massive problems for our team defensively with all the things I mentioned, plus his organization and his communication. If we didn't have him, 
we would have had to reshuffle the deck a bit until someone like Nick Kett came back from injury. And even at, you know, 60% when he first kind of came back, I don't think was quite ready to play the minutes that would have been required to, to, to do what Rigo did yep. um, the whole entire season. Yeah. I, John, one, one thing to add, because you, you spoke at length about Rigo earlier that the important thing here is, and I, I think what's clutch is to, to communicate the value of Minneapolis city futures is Rio really, like you said, he was at university of Northwestern St. Paul, which is not the top D three program in, in the, the cities area. in oh, the area. Yeah. Right. By, by any means. And, and really, like you said, he just was like, I just got overlooked. Mm-hmm. And just by getting the opportunity, by, by getting the coaching and, and developing, he is now, he now made the move to, to uh, Hamlin, right? He's at Hamlin. Hamlin. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing I'll also add about him. Um, at the end of every session, who was the guy who was in the winter session, who was collecting all the balls? It was Rigo. Who was the guy that was always there first getting warmed up, getting ready to go. It was Rigo. Mm-hmm. Like the dude is all in. And it just shows that like, he might be, he might come from a different, a different environment. You might be used to, this is what you do. Um, constantly shaking everyone's hand before he leaves. Like just, just such a great teammate, but tra- sometimes you get the guy who's a great teammate and it doesn't translate to the field. Yeah. Or you get the guy who is lights out in the field and doesn't really translate to being a good, good clubhouse guy. Um, he's, he's got it all. And, you know, in my opinion, he could have been off, uh, <laughs> player of the year, defensive MVP, newcomer, like you name it on all this. Uh, I think he, he just was so rock solid for us. Agreed, agreed. So congratulations to Rigo Ariano, the UPSL player of the year. Let's take one more look back at the UPSL season. This team finished with a record of eight wins and two draws, one more season with zero losses, 26 points on the year, which you and I figured out that's pretty much the uh, that's guaranteed got, win. Yeah, that's got to be what that's got to be you get to, to win automatically. Uh, 22 goals for seven goals against all in all john one more successful season for the minneapolis city futures program uh and it gets started again once the high school season is over we give the boys a chance to uh the high school and college season i suppose are over we give the boys a chance to kind of relax to kind of uh recover and then tryouts start in earnest in early december and then there is another round of tryouts uh, over the winter break for the guys coming back from college and then the spring 77 season starts Yep, absolutely. And I'm just going to mention one quick thing about our uh, our breakout for our uh, most improved player of the year, Michael Doshin. I just pulled up his U.S. Merchant Marine soccer roster. He is the only person that we have that I've checked out that is on a college roster that lists his former or his previous club as Minneapolis City. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, everyone else is like, you know, I played at you know this high school or this club. Uh, this youth club, but he listed Minneapolis City, so good for him. Anywho, good. Let, let's 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 wrap up our final thoughts. You you starting on on this past past season for the Futures program? Yeah, I mean, I think my takeaway from this from this program or from this season is is this. It feels like every time you and I got together to talk about the futures, to talk about the UP, the UPSL season, we we came back to one thing and that is 
people need to watch these guys. Yes. You know what I mean? People need to come to these games. People need to get excited because this is good ass soccer out there. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, you know, like men's league. It's not, it's not weekend stuff. It's not Sunday night, 35 and up. Uh, 55 plus. Yep. 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 Rose are like, uh, it's, I mean, this, these kids and it's not, it's not high school all over again either. Right. These, Mm -hmm. this is good soccer. It's exciting to watch and getting, getting invested in the future of the future players for the, for the club only benefits yourself as a fan. And of course benefits the club because people get, then then people know the players, right? So if you ever complain, like I don't know these guys, it's like, well, you should have been around because they've been they've been here playing for us for two years, and you just haven't been watching those games. Yeah, yeah. I excuse me. I could not echo your sentiment any better. Um, I think you're 100 right. People need to come out and watch these players play. Um, I think the the one thing that 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 stands out to me is that. Two years ago, when the program was started, it was kind of like, okay, we're going to add this thing. How's it going to work? What are we going to do? And then, you know, fast forward three years later, we're like, holy shit, like this works. And I have (laughs) constantly been asked time and time again in my soccer circles, like, why don't you guys have a youth team? Like, that's where all the money is. And I was like, yeah, but that's where the parents are. And the parents are a problem, as you know, from having a – uh, uh, an involvement in club and high school soccer. Yep. Um, but I, I was always like, well, we're starting this, you know, this futures thing. And this is kind of what the model is. And we're going to give it a go and see how it works. And then in year two was, hey, college coaches. Hey, I, you know, I, I see this thing you're doing. Tell me more about this player or that player. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, this is what I see. This is what I know, you know. Can I help? Can I help you get in contact with them? Awesome, great. Uh, at all different levels, Division One all the way through NAIA. <clears throat> and the importance of this program on local soccer is even bigger, in my opinion, than what we did with Minneapolis City to start at the senior level. Yeah, because that model has been replicated over and over, not only here but in other parts of the country. And yeah, it's great. It works. Um, you know good fan involvement, cool jerseys, blah, blah, blah. Add, add, add anything from the list. But, <laughs> but I'm not trying to like pump us up here, but the futures model, now it's three years past and people are starting to see the benefit of it. And it's only going to get stronger. And the word of mouth from high school coaches, college coaches, to their players when they go into those final meetings at the end of the season, like, what? so what do you plan to do this summer? The, the futures program is tossed around often and we have to continue to not just let players land in our lap. We still have to recruit to the players who don't know about us, but we have a thing and it's so important. And I think it like, look at what Griffin price is doing in high school right now. Um, just <laughs> crushing it. And you look at other players at the youth level, um, you know, there's, there was a couple of players that were even younger than Griffin in our, in our winter session that didn't, didn't make the roster or chose not to play um, uh, on the roster because they were doing their, their club thing um, in the summer. Like they are just absolutely killing it. 
And that's the point of all this. So I think the Futures program is elevating Minnesota soccer far, like I said, far more than the first team. Yeah. Um, the first team was icing on the cake. So anyways, I'll leave it at that. But yeah. First team's awesome. Don't get, don't get me wrong. First team's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> come out and see these guys, these guys play. Yeah, and you can. The Crows summer seasons are behind us, but there are more opportunities than ever to catch them in action in their college careers. So like between ESPN Plus, of course, the MyAC Sports Network, and just old-fashioned getting out of your damn house and driving somewhere nice, uh, there are Crows on the field in colleges everywhere. And this fall, John, we're going to make sure we touch on a few of them each show to keep the people hyped. Yep, let's do it. It's crows in college. All right. Yeah, we need a sound bite here. Yeah, you know. something. Somebody design us. Someone with some sound design experience. Hook us I up. I don't think it's opening a beer for college kids, but maybe it is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Let's start with Mitchell Munzing, John. He's a guy you saw tonight. Uh, yeah. I mean, you want, you want to go into this? Or you want me to? I got it. Uh, he was All awarded right. the Mayak Offensive Player of the Week, the week of uh, of 9-11, September 11th. Mitch, Mitchell scored three goals with three assists, earning himself nine points in a pair of augsburg Augie non-conference victories. Right now, currently, and this might be different since there was a game tonight, uh, Munzing is tied for ninth in all across NCAA Division Three, with an average of .83 assists per game. He's got five total, assists, five total assists on the season, tied for fourth most in division three so that's pretty crazy and you talk yeah. about assists let's talk about augsburg sophomore forward missile harris he le- two more tonight he two more yeah he leads ncaa division three with an average that is probably higher than 1.33 assists per game this season he's tied for the lead in total assists among across all levels of NCAA men's soccer. So now he's he had eight upon the you know at the time of writing this. He's got ten now. Yeah. In 2023. He's his three assists against Hamlin on September 13th is tied for the third most in a division three game this season. And so John, like I said, Augsburg, they just played tonight. Thanks for covering that game for me. And they're gonna yep. play again on Tuesday away at St. John's. You can catch that on the Maya network. Next up at Crows and College is someone you might have heard of. His name is Eli Goldman. He plays for the 18th ranked University of New Hampshire men's soccer team, and he was named to the College Soccer News Men's National Team of the Week after scoring two goals to lead the Wildcats to victory over Princeton 3-1 to this past Friday at Wildcat Stadium. What's going on with Eli, man? Well, first and foremost, Eli's probably playing pro soccer next year. (laughs) I'm just going to forecast that. Um, His first goal came in the 66th minute. He took a penalty kick. Those are the easy ones for guys like him, firing the ball past the goalkeeper. Bottom right corner, back of the net, ties the match 1-1. Then moments later, 70th minute, four exactly. He scores a breakaway goal, which we've seen him do many times. Uh, which ended up being the game-winning goal, uh, was the fourth game-winning goal of his career. Um, this was the second time in his career that he posted uh, a two-goal performance. And he also scored two goals versus Harvard um, in 2022 in a 4-1 win. Um, so this season, he leads the Wildcats again with goals. And we'll say this, the last two strikers from New Hampshire that led the team in goal scoring 
uh, were in MLS Super Draft picks. So for his career, he's on 15 goals in uh, in in four seasons, um, one assists, and that's 30 31 points for the Wildcats. Um, they they currently sit at four one and one and return to action this Saturday, September 26th. They take on Binghamton. Never even heard of them, uh, but they're they're two and four, so potentially the Wildcats are going to run rough shots. Uh, but that, that that's on ESPN Plus, so check that out. Yeah. Um, as far as other other members of uh, of the club, Evan Siefkin, ever heard of him? He earned MIAC Defensive Player of the Week honors in the same week, nine eleven, uh, that Mitchell Munzing won Offensive Player of the Week. Just curls everywhere. Evan only allowed one goal and made twenty one saves in two hundred and seventy minutes of play as the Johnnies went 2-0-1 last week. So he, in fact, is facing a ton of shots, and he has given up some goals, but he's he, he has a lot of saves too. Um, the lone goal uh, that he allowed came um, in the in the first half of an eventual 1-1 tie to Loris on 9-9, um, which snapped his shutout streak of a previous 286-plus minutes. So he's got 47 total saves as of writing this. I think he's got a few more of tonight which was for fourth most in all of NCAA Division Three, And his next matchup is Saturday in Winona against St. Mary's. So you can take the drive over over there, or you can tune into the Mayak Sports Network, uh, brought to you by Huddle, mm-hmm. and you can check out that game. And then finally, to give some more keeper love, we talked about this guy before, uh, Carlton senior goalkeeper Daniel Linder has four shutouts this t- season, which makes him tied for fourth most, fifth most, excuse me, in all of Division Three NCAA, his goals against average is 0.182, which is ninth best in Division Three. And Carlton plays Bethel in Arden Hills on Saturday, and that's an easy trip, so you can make that one. Uh, but sure. I also think that that one is al- also on the MyX or the uh, the the Sports Network as well. Yeah. Um, it is. So I think actually uh, I was going to look at goals against National League, but I think he's actually higher than that. Um. He is, nope, <laughs> he's fifth. Yeah, you're right. So there's some dude from Williams College who has played almost 500 minutes and not given up a goal. So Wow, it's decent. Some, something by the name of Ben D- Diffley. <laughs> something by the name of. Yeah. All right. Well, I so, think that just goes to show. Uh, and, I hope, and hopefully next week we're going to have more uh, more news about, about our Crows in college. But – just goes to show these guys come out of the summer season more prepared than ever. And, uh, and some of them are taking advantage, full advantage of that. So that's awesome. Thank you everyone for listening to this week's show. And thank you to our wonderful show sponsor, footballstadiumprints.com. If you're in the market for a supremely curated soccer focused graphic design on anything from mugs to t-shirts, uh, head on over to footballstadiumprints.com. Fill that card up. And don't forget, you can use the code CROWS10 for 10% off everything you purchase. Remember, all U.S. orders ship right from the States, so there are no pesky international shipping charges or international shipping delays. As a reminder, Minneapolis City is a 501c3, so consider beefing up that tax deduction ahead of next year through a charitable gift to the club. Memberships for that 2024 season are on sale now. It is never too early for you to cement your no, spot not. in the stands. Get some sweet swag. Also, you're going to get that early discount. Head to mplscitysc.com and get yours today. If you're interested in getting a hold of us, we've made it simple. you got to hit that club up on Twitter. 
I guess it's X, whatever, at MPLS City SC. You can get us at the show at the People's Pitch or email us, mcscpodcast at gmail.com. And that's all for this week. I am Nate. That was John. Try to make it out to support some of our crows in college this fall. There's some really exciting soccer being played here and all around the area. And as always, get up. Oh, it's so